Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Army Matters. Today, we are honored to be with the Army's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Budget, Major General Paul Chamberlain, to discuss the Army's budget requests for the next fiscal year, 2022, which begins this coming October. Sir, welcome, and thank you for offering to meet with us today to discuss the Army's FY22 budget request that was released just this past month, late May, and transmitted to the Congress. Sir, this year marks your fourth year as the Army's Budget Director, and given the challenges associated with COVID-19 and the impact on operations, training, and every aspect of the total Army, this has probably been a year like no other in terms of executing the appropriated and authorized budget while concurrently striving to build and prepare the new budget for fiscal year 2022. But sir, first, before we discuss the Army's budget request, I would like to ask about your Army career path to becoming the Director for the Army Budget. You did not begin your Army career as a finance officer, but rather you were commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Signal Corps. And during the early part of your Army career, you attended Army Infantry Advanced Course and Special Forces training. And you also served with the Special Forces. And now today, you're the Army's second most senior finance officer. Thus, can you please share with us a bit about the decisions you made and the opportunities provided to you that have led to your current assignment? Sure, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. When you look at my career path, it is very circuitous. I certainly did not take a direct path into becoming the director of the Army budget. Starting off in the Signal Corps was exciting, but it wasn't exciting enough, which is why I tried to compete for and assess into Special Forces. I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And then somewhere in my Special Forces career, my wife said, you know, it'd be nice if you would stay home a little bit longer. So I took that opportunity to try out at that point what was then a functional area, comptroller. And my first comptroller assignment was in Honduras, unaccompanied assignment. My wife said, that's not quite what I meant by staying home a little bit longer, but it was an awesome opportunity. I had my own budget. It was not very big. It was maybe 1 million point five. And I must say I was scared to death managing a checkbook that large. But it did set the foundation for where I ended up 20 years later, which was executing at the lowest level, at a brigade level, at Joint Task Force Bravo in Honduras. I would also tell you that the opportunity being in the Signal Corps, which is today a operational support branch, as well as being in Special Forces, which is an operations branch, gave me a perspective of what do commanders need both commanders who are maneuvering, as well as the commanders who need to support the operational commanders. So that was a very unique perspective for me. I also recall that, as you mentioned in the advanced course, my takeaways from the advanced course were the military decision-making process and writing the five-paragraph op letter. So as a special forces officer, my first look would probably be the paragraph two mission. The next look would probably be into the execution paragraph. But now, as a money person, as a force sustainer, I typically look to paragraph four for support and command and control. I look into support to see how much money and resources is being provided for an operation. And then I look at command and control to see who is my higher headquarters and where will I have to submit my request for additional money or resources, because I am sure there will be additional resources required to meet those missions. So it's a different perspective, but it has really afforded me an opportunity to set myself up to where I had a pretty good understanding of what is needed. Thank you very much, sir, for explaining that. Very, very interesting and a great example for all of us to do our best in the assignments and jobs that we have 
and to be ready for opportunities to come along that may be quite different and very exciting. Now shifting to the Army's FY 2022 budget request, which the Army rolled out in late May, would you please discuss the priorities the Army established in building the budget? Our Secretary and our Chief have been very consistent with our priorities. The priorities for the Army are people, readiness, and modernization. And the FY22 budget certainly was able to support those requirements. The other priority is ensuring that we are able to meet the requirements laid out for the Army in the Interim National Security Strategic Guidance that the current administration provided to us earlier this year. Thank you, sir. The Army's budget priorities seem to be consistent with the priorities used to build the FY21 budget as well, which the Army is working with today. Now, to provide some context for the new budget request, would you please highlight the status of the Army worldwide, along with the strategic and homeland environment that the new budget will support? So the Army is very busy. We've been busy, much like all the other services. We have over 170,000 soldiers who are deployed worldwide in 140 different countries. We had 40,000 some guardsmen who were deployed here in the United States, supporting the COVID-19 requirements, as well as other natural disasters, whether it be storms along the coast or any of the wildfires. We also are, as you look worldwide, the violent extremism, that is still ongoing. We cannot take our eye off of the violent extremists in the CENTCOM AOR. We're also looking and focusing on the Indo-Pacific area, as well as in Europe. Thank you, sir. And as an old soldier myself, it's just incredible how busy the Army is. Understanding the strategic homeland context for the budget is very helpful. As AUSA's Government Affairs Director, I try to follow the congressional hearings, DOD's press conferences, and the think tank forums on national security and the budget. Since the White House released the skinny budget, as is known as, there has been some concern expressed in some congressional hearings and other forums with respect to the Army's total funding for this next year. So would you please compare this new budget funding level to the current funding? And also this year, there's a big change in how the Defense Department budgets for war fighting costs, also known as Other Contingency Operations, or OCO. Thus, would you please explain the change with respect to how the Army is budgeting for these war fighting costs in the new budget? Sure, great question. In fiscal year 21, our enacted budget was $176.6 billion. Here in FY22, the budget we submitted is $173 billion. That is a $3.6 billion reduction. But most of that reduction is attributable to the force structure changes in the CENTCOM AOR. If you just looked at part of the budget that we would refer to as the base budget, our base budget, the military personnel account, goes up a little over a billion dollars. Our operation and maintenance account goes up over $2 billion. Our research development acquisition, our RDT&E and our procurement accounts, that does go down. That was by purposeful decisions from our senior leaders to ensure that we met the readiness requirements for our operation and maintenance accounts, as well as to ensure we met the military personnel requirements for paying our soldiers. We did have a reduction in our military construction account as well. Again, part of that reduction is tied to an increase that we received in FY21 of additional funding or additional projects that Congress was grateful enough and thankful enough that they provided to us. One of the largest changes between fiscal year 21 to fiscal year 22 is how we account for the funding to address our contingency operations. In FY22, the budget is now just known as a base budget. That base budget includes what we would formally call OCO. It is captured underneath direct war costs as well as our enduring costs. 
It is a change from how we've done the accounting in the past, but we do have sufficient funding to meet the requirements that were formerly known as OCO, but are now captured underneath direct war and enduring costs. Thank you, sir, for explaining that. Big costs and how the Department of Defense is budgeting now. Sir, you mentioned the Army's top priorities, people first, modernization, readiness. Could you please tell us a little bit more about General McConnell's top priority, people first, and how the budget will support people first, as well as a little bit about family readiness? Sure. So people first, our chief is very clear that he wants to make sure that we take care of all of our personnel, whether it be military, civilian, families. And in doing so with the FY22 budget, we have resourced increases in our exceptional family member program. We have an increase in funding for our fee assistance for child care. So that is very helpful for our folks who have young families. We've also put additional money into housing in barracks, as well as family housing. And we've also put money into expanding our holistic health fitness program and increasing that into several other unit size organizations across the Army. Thank you, sir, for explaining that. We've also listened to General McConville discuss modernization as a priority for the Army and replacing the current systems that have been updated, of course, 40-year-old systems, originally filled in the dark ages back when I was a lieutenant. Could you tell us a bit about how the budget supports modernization? General McConville has said that we modernize the Army every 40 years. We did it in the 40s, we did it in the 80s, and now we're doing it again here. So with the budget, the funding for our research and development acquisition programs went down. However, even though there was a reduction, we protected the Army's 31 plus 4 signature efforts that are key to the Army's six modernization priorities. Thank you, sir. Now, to begin to wrap up, no discussion on the Army's budget request would be complete without discussing readiness. Would you please tell us how the budget supports the Army's ability to fight and win? Absolutely. This budget supports the Army's readiness requirements. Probably the most visible way is with 20 combat training center rotations for brigade size elements. There are eight that will go to the National Training Center. There's eight that will go to the Joint Readiness Training Center. And we have four going to Joint Multinational Readiness Center. Of those 20, there's two that will support National Guard rotations. We have one that will be supported for a Security Forces Assistance Brigade. And there's also going to be two that will be exportable, one into Alaska and one into Pacific. So as we conclude today's podcast, any final remarks you'd like to make, such as Army's plans or your continued plans with Capitol Hill? So for fiscal year 21, we have several reprogrammings on the Hill so that we are working closely with them, answering questions. We're working with the Office of Management and Budget as well to submit any future reprogrammings. With fiscal year 22 having been just rolled out, we continue to engage with the professional staff members answering questions and ensuring that if there's anything that we need to clarify, that we give them the information that they need to ensure they can make the best decisions in supporting the Army's presidential budget request for fiscal year 22. Thank you, sir. And thank you very much for joining us today to discuss the Army's budget and the priorities within the budget. I can assure you we at AUSA here will do everything we can to support the Army and the budget up on Capitol Hill. Sir, thank you very much for having me. It's been my pleasure. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at ausa.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. 
For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army Day. Hua.